check. Uh, check checking the sound. Is the sound good? Sound now, brown now. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Publisher Lab. John, welcome back. Here we are. Welcome, guys. We've got a really good one uh, for you today. What are we talking about, Tyler? So I thought what would be fun, since last week we talked about um, basically like the 12 things for uh, 2017, basically all the different trends and things like that for people to think about with their sites. Um, as they start to get into those things, I think one of the major goals that people always have is basically growing their site. And when I say grow, I mean basically get more visitors, like good quality visitors that want to see their content. Yeah. And I thought it might be good just to like kind of share with people kind of the tricks and the secrets to where, you know, I've been really successful in getting people to come to websites for the last decade. And I thought it would be fun to kind of go over what I think is kind of like the gospel in terms of generating quality traffic. Yeah, this is the sort of, we were talking before the podcast and this is the sort of stuff that Tyler gets a lot of people saying, oh, hey, can you help me? Uh, do me a favor, you know, um, can you take a look at my stuff? And, and, and obviously, you know, he's very, very busy. Um, but we, uh, we try to make this podcast very much about you know practicalities and um, advice based on data and experience and uh, basing that on things that are, is more than one website. Like it, this, these are generalizations that will apply to everybody who's in this organic space, producing content, make money from the ads. Um, so this is a listen and do uh, podcast. And I think the first thing is, um, I, well, we already, we've already done a podcast on it before, is the, the SEO landing page sort of technique. Yeah, so for you guys that, um, that may have missed it, we talked quite a bit about SEO in a previous podcast. I think our second or third podcast, you can go look, it'll be titled that way. We talked a little bit more about SEO tools and this kind of idea of figuring out what your highest volume keywords are that you rank for, but are currently on like page two, and basically the strategy for moving yourself into page one on Google. And you know, that, that's in the SEO world that, that, oh, get on page one of Google. Um, there really is an ethical and, and kind of long-term strategy way of doing that. And we kind of walk you through the process of doing that in the right way. Both, we did a web event, so you can go on YouTube and find our web event if you go to the Izoic YouTube channel. Um, it, it's on there. It's uh, listed as like uh, you know we talk about landing pages and SEO and the title. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can go and listen to it. And and don't forget, guys, when we're talking about sort of page two of Google, we really we are talking about mobile now. So yeah, think about that. Look at your mobile rankings. Uh, so all of that stuff we've already covered. Now this is the second big one, isn't it? That you've been talking about doing a podcast for a while. Uh, what is it? So it's really the two two separate concepts, and we just did a web event on it where I kind of went into detail uh, basically how to do this, but I thought to kind of dovetail that into a podcast where I basically shared with everybody this kind of the same information, but maybe gave you a chance to kind of poke holes in it and ask some questions that I think probably people would commonly ask. Yeah. And that is, you know, in addition to the SEO stuff, being able to find your highest volume keywords and enhance those pages so that you rank you know, in, in the top 10 for it so that you can get that, that high volume traffic, right, for those keywords. Um, you really want to focus on two other things, which is content curation and sharing content into communities and places where people are gonna see it, specifically the people that wanna read your content. Mm -hmm. And then the other is really leveraging social media the right way. I think most people are familiar with kind of the big five platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and Instagram. And there may be one or, or all of those that you use or think are effective for your, your site or your content. Uh, but the truth is, is almost 
everybody is missing something that they could probably be doing better there and some probably know hey listen I, I'm using these networks but I, I'm sure I could be doing a better job I'm gonna share with you the stuff that I think over time has been proven to be really effective and I'll show you some information that you probably don't know about those networks and how they how their algorithms work which is kind of interesting too cool so we've got uh, content curation and then leveraging social media networks what do you mean by the content curation bit? So it's it's interesting. When people hear content curation, they think about basically like places where you can kind of like collect and share share your content into. And this is true to a certain extent. So there are places like Flipboard and Scoopit, which is scoop.it, uh, that are great places to uh, and stumble upon. That's the third one. So those three I really like. There's some other things that are a lot like Flipboard out there uh, that are kind of basically like magazine style content sharing networks. But I really like these three because what you can do is they actually all have Chrome extensions too. Mm -hmm. So I install the Flipboard, scoop it, and stumble upon Chrome extensions. And then whenever I publish new content, what I can do is I can create a, you can create as many Flipboard magazines as you want, but I try to pick uh, like a topic. So let's say I'm writing about um, jujitsu. We used, like yep. to use that as an example. Mm -hmm. So I might create a magazine in Flipboard for all my content that relates to jujitsu. So every time I publish a jujitsu article, I push it into my Flipboard Jiu-Jitsu magazine. Now at first, I might just get one or two clicks off of that because people are just finding it. But then over time, it'll organically grow as it gets more popular, as it gets more content. So you have this whole other source out there where people are finding and linking to your content, and it's through Flipboard. Um, can, so I, can I ask you a question there about the the, the Flipboard? And th these kind that of, you said, Flipboard, um, Scoop It, and Stumbled Upon, these are, when you say that it's like it's another form of content discovery, what does it actually what does it actually look like when you upload it? So basically, what happens is is um, whether it's a Chrome extension or uh, you actually go into their actual interface, um, you're basically just dropping your link into something that you know you you put the link in, you click the send button, and it's going to pull up like a, a rich snippet of your thing, and it's going to basically drop it into kind of like a Twitter-style interface, Flipboard on a phone, like if you're a user of Flipboard, you pull it up and it curates a lot of news on subjects that you're interested in, okay. and it will recommend new topics. So your Jiu-Jitsu magazine and Flipboard will eventually show up like one of your articles may show up to somebody that's not following your magazine, mm -hmm. and if they read it, it, they may then recommend, hey, you should follow the Jiu-Jitsu magazine, and then they'll follow that magazine, okay. and then they'll get more and more of that content. So it's like time. it's like that Amazon, you know, people who shop for this also look for this. So, so it, that's the discovery element by the guys who have built Flipboard, is that you've built something that you start to get a following for. It's, it's actually like Pinterest. Yeah, how, it how, sort of is. How are these How are these different from Pinterest then? So we'll kind of go into it a little bit more, but it's not a social network. So it's not designed to be, uh, it's, it's basically just a network for people to share basically content. So news, um, new information, that kind of stuff. So Flipboard's a great place to share your content, but it's not a social network. So people aren't, it's not a place where people are commenting, sharing, um, you know, replying to, all that kind of stuff. It's basically just a place for content. Um, Scoopit is, is very much the same way. It's really a place that people just go to find content on popular subjects. So people will use that basically. Um, it, it works kind of the way that Flipboard does is you can create basically different scoops. Um, you get one for free. If you want to do, you can get 10 or more. You have to pay like a very small amount. It's like $3.99 or $4.99 a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you can create different subjects to post your content underneath. But people will ultimately find those things as they kind of search through the interface. So there's a decent amount of users that scoop it. Uh, I actually found it by accident because somebody had shared some content that I had posted there a long time ago on a site that I was managing. 
and I noticed I was getting about 152 or something. I think it was for whatever reason 152 sticks out to me as the number we were getting uh, on average a day from scooping. I was like, what wow. is this, you know? Yeah. And I got in and found out what it was and started sharing content into it. And next thing you know, you know, we got uh, a lot of different traffic and new visitors from that source. So they sound a bit like um, they're sort of popularity driven. Well, certainly the Scoop It one anyway is popularity driven and drawing other people in to those subjects that are from the fringes and then they become more popular. And so it's kind of like, it sounds like a sort of a, it's almost like a visual search engine in some ways. It is, it is. And it's basically people that are using those platforms to find content, which is smaller than people that use regular search engines and things like that. But one of the things that I've learned over time is that volume is your friend. So it's really good to start with these things. And if you have existing content, don't be afraid. It's not like a social network where you know you want to be careful about you know spamming the users. Put as much of your content in there as possible right off the bat because ultimately the way that those 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 different services work is basically people that are looking for all kinds of different subjects and looking at different stuff it'll show up as recommended content or show off to the side and things like that and you never know what piece of your content is going to catch the eye of somebody and just like any other thing thing that exists on a platform there are engagement and ctr metrics that are tied to those things so yeah. the stuff that's getting clicked on the most the stuff that's appearing in the most feeds that stuff is going to get pushed up so you increase your chances of that stuff being found by other people by just sheer volume so over time as you build larger and larger accounts in those services, the better chance you have being found. Stumble upon is the one exception, though. Okay, so and then how you said that there was the third one: so Flipboard, Scoop It, and Stumbled Upon. Stumbled Upon, I think I've seen uh, quite often in those uh, the little uh, link widgets that you get. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's an image or whatever, and you can share it on all of these things. And sometimes I see stumbled upon in our search results and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, some sorry, in, in Google Analytics, I should say. Yeah, stumbled upon is kind of a cool thing. Um, I would say that you know the majority of the time, if you go into stumble upon as a user, you're basically just stumbling onto just random sites, and you can pick by topic, right? And they have all these different categories. But most of the time, if you stumble through there, you will find some of the coolest stuff on the internet. Free tools, free visualizations that are really neat. And so I try to share some of my best content that I think is unique uh, on the on that site. I mean, you can put everything in there, but ultimately the stuff that's gonna do the best there is your stuff that's really unique or provide some kind of perspective that maybe nobody else has. So if, if you're writing a piece of content that's maybe competitive with 10 other pieces of content on the internet, it's probably not going to do as well and stumble upon. But if you have something that's truly unique information that you know is you know I would say like a like a zebra among horses, mm -hmm. uh, then you're probably in better shape uh, in terms of doing well on Scoop It. But it's really simple. Same thing. You're just going to drop your link into a box. You're going to mark is this family friendly? I think it's family friendly or is this not safe for work? I think it's safe for work. Oh, um, you click yes and then you get to pick from a number of different categories to which your content might fall into. And then people in those categories will stumble across a number of different pieces of content throughout the week or so. Okay, so uploading as much as you can to the Flipboard and Scoop It um, systems and then your unique stuff on stumbled upon. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And there are some other networks that are like Flipboard and stuff like that that are out there. You can do a fair amount of research and find. I really like Flipboard because I think I, I use it personally. Um, it's networked in with Twitter. We'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. So there's some things that I really like about it. It's easy to use because of the Chrome extension, but there are others out there that are fairly good as well. Nice. Okay. 
So there's so those are kind of like your base like dump dump my links in easy shares. To me that's low hanging fruit. If you make content today, it literally takes me less than a minute to share into those networks with the Chrome extension. So why wouldn't I after I've set up the accounts? Now these next ones take a little bit more of a thoughtful process. So I'm going to approach something that I'm, I think everybody's probably familiar with and that's Reddit. So ever heard of it, John? I have. <laughs> Are you a Reddit user? Not really. Not really. To be honest, I go. I actually go and research stuff sometimes. And and if you notice when you do those long searches into Google, quite often Reddit does come up. Yeah. It, uh, well, they're Reddit AMP now too. A, yeah. a lot of the results are AMP, and so they. I've noticed that they appear in the in top Google search results quite a bit now. Yeah. So I use it I, when I'm researching a particular topic, or you know, I'm just trying to dig into something. Um, quite often, I'll go and review what people are saying there. So uh, it's a great tool, by the way. So you, I'll use you as an example here because I'm a very active Reddit user. Are you? I'm I'm in like three. I'm, I'm very active in about three different subreddits and I'm in about 10 where I kind of lurk around, I post from time to time, but there's three I'm really active in where I share information to help people out. And so um, I'll get to that here in a minute. So let's pretend now that you have great content that you think would do well on Reddit. Okay. You're not an active Reddit user. So if you just start sharing your blog links and things like that into Reddit, you're going to get ousted pretty quickly. You're going to get you're gonna get pegged as a blog spammer. And unfortunately... Um, so we should explain what Reddit is, which is basically it's a community-driven yeah. question and answer platform, isn't it? Yeah. That, so that's the way I look. Reddit at. is it, yeah, it's really kind of um, they describe themselves as like the front page of the internet, and so basically it's a place for all kinds of different stuff. So you may have heard about it on the news for all kinds of different weird stuff. Inside of Reddit, there's what they call subreddit. So mm -hmm. just about any subject you can think about, there is a community of people there. So for ad ops, for example, there's a community of about thirty thousand people that log into a subreddit and kind of communicate and share information whether it's sharing links to news or people asking questions or there's all kinds of different things you can do but it's basically like an open place where you can either share a link or you can ask a question or submit information that that's actually the place that i've spent most of my time <laughs> yeah uh, just to get an idea of what people are asking and uh but I've, I've never really got so if i was going to adopt reddit if I, let's say for example adops is the and you know quite a lot of the time i know the answers to the questions but I don't have, I don't make the time. I should say I don't make the time to to answer them myself. If I wanted to get into Reddit and start to develop a, a kind of reputation, as you said, not not piling in and trying to sort of like post your content, but if, if I was trying to build up a reputation over time, what's the best way of kind of getting started? So the best way of getting started is realize that. In, inside of Reddit, so let's say you post a link or you post some information in there, they have a system called, you can either upvote or downvote somebody. So a post or a comment, you can press a little arrow up or down. If the arrow gets pressed up, you get like karma and those comments and those things get pushed to the top. If you get downvoted, especially enough, you'll completely disappear. And so one of the things that you want to do is you want to get lots of upvotes, right? Because you want to be a contributor. You, hopefully the stuff that you're sharing is valuable into there. If you share something that's not valuable and very self-serving, you're going to probably get ousted pretty quickly. Now, one of the things you can do to really protect yourself inside of Reddit is, let's say you're going in, you've never really used it before, sign up, find a couple, maybe even just one subreddit that you think, this is a great place for my content, I know a lot about these subjects, participate. Add some comments to things, see where you can add value, and, um, and just participate a little bit here and there. And then once you have content that you feel like is valuable and not completely self-serving, so there's all kinds of different websites that are probably listening to this podcast. If you have just basic content about a subject, 
um, that's not overly self-serving. You just want people to get, to get clicks on it. I think that's fair game. If you have something that's a little bit more self-serving than that, you have to be careful about what you do share in there. But let's say you post a link in there. What's going to happen is people that moderate that and people that are active users on that, they will actually click on your name and they'll see how what other things has this guy done? Is he only sharing his content in here? Because mm -hmm. some subreddits even have rules where for every like new link that you share, you need to have had like 10 comments or 10 other posts that don't link to your side or your blog. Yeah. So hopefully you, you understand that being a Reddit user and using it, it's, it's incredibly effective. I mean, you could literally get thousands of visitors a day off of a single link that you post, but it, it's not something you can do every day. Yeah, and you, you can't kind of, um, I, I guess the reason that they've got those checks and controls is to make sure that the content marketers, because I mean, if we're talking about this, this is, this is a technique, isn't it? Yeah. That um, people in big companies will use in order to try and sort of, you know, do exactly what we're talking about here, so to try and generate interest and, and volume and visitors to a particular um, site. But it's really it's always about adding value, isn't it? And I think yeah. that's the that's the, and they've got good nose for it. I've I've looked at a few threads. And I'm like, ow, that's uh, yeah. You it can, can be pretty brutal, and it can and it can be damaging if you do a really bad job here. Um, you can get lit up, and it can actually hurt your reputation a little bit. And basically, if you're just responsible, think about it this way. Think about think about it like going out and drinking alcohol. You want to be responsible, and you don't want to do it every day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because both of those things are. Uh, it, it's one of those things that if you if you post this this stuff that's that's not contributing, it's very self serving, and you do it a lot. What's going to happen is you're going to get lit up from a reputation standpoint. Your stuff's going to get downvoted. You're not going to get any benefit. But yeah. if you contribute to the community and you post stuff that you think is useful that links to your site, you can get thousands of visitors every time you post into there. And ultimately, you have to think about it not as a mechanism for sharing your content, but a community that uh, that you're basically uh, volunteering for so that you can kind of like get this return, which is thousands of website visitors. It's one of the things I absolutely love about the internet, by the mm -hmm. way, is how everyone's helping each other. and how these things have evolved which if you if you think if, if you think about it in in the old days you'd have to go down to the library and start looking through books yeah. you know and now you can actually ask somebody and they just because they know they will they will tell you the answer so speaking of asking somebody one of the next networks that i think is a really great content sharing uh network is cura so uh, what I think is great about it is it's different from Reddit in that um, it's really where you're more – in Reddit, people can be anonymous users, right? Um, in Cure, you can self-identify yourself. You can say, I'm John Cole and I'm an expert in the you know, uh, online publisher and advertising space, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can actually create multiple profiles depending on different subjects you might speak to. You might say, I'm an expert fisherman too, so when I answer questions about fishermen, or fishermen, <laughs> fishing, <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm John Cole, I'm an expert in fishing. So you create right. these profiles, and over time you actually build up credibility based on the number of people that, um, that recommend your answers to different things. So how, how Cure works is it's basically this network, if you log in, you're going to see tons of different subjects uh, that you can kind of search through, and then there's literally thousands and thousands of questions that get asked every day. People yeah. want to know stuff that are sometimes really unique, sometimes they're repetitive. Yeah. And what you want to try to do is find, especially in the beginning, is stuff that questions that either haven't been answered um, or stuff that's been answered a little bit that looks like it's getting a decent amount of people that are uh, searching through it because it'll show you the amount of people that are following certain questions. 
So let's say I found a question that had like three or four answers, but had a couple hundred followers. That's potentially uh, hundreds of people I could get to uh, click a link to my website. Now the secret to Cura is providing people full answers to their question. Uh, they have a rich editor on there, so you can actually you can bold stuff, you can create headlines and all this kind of stuff. They create nicer little rich snippets for your links. So make it look nice. Put a big bold heading on there break up your content. So one of the mm -hmm. things, I was reading this nice article that somebody put together basically how they've grown their traffic by like 500% using QR. People understand on QR too that, you're, that in a lot of cases you're answering questions to share your content. And as long as your content helps answer the question and you provide an answer other than like click this link, yeah. um, you're gonna be in good shape. So I'll give a good example of something that I, I answered the other day. We have our ad revenue index, right? That shows mm -hmm. ad rates. Uh, for the you know side earnings across the industry for over a year, right? So we've got this great new analytics tool, and I'll you know I'm trying to find questions that that people might be asking that I could share this to. So somebody had asked, is there any place out there that I can find uh, ad rate fluctuations for the past year? That's exactly what this is. So yes. I create a headline. I say um, the ad revenue index shows uh, you know ad earnings fluctuations from 2015 to 2016. Reveal seasonality, and then you can add lots of value. And so then I answer, I said, we created, I describe exactly what the index is, what it provides, and then down at the bottom I put, here's a link to the index, and by the way, here's the frequently asked questions about the index, and I went ahead and posted that in there as well. And so this way if somebody, you know, give them everything that they would need to know, and then if they do wanna click the index, then they can do it. I cannot post the index physically in there, so there's no other way for me to do it, but that's a great example, and that got upvoted a bunch. It's the top answer to that question. Great. And so it's one of those things that if, you, if you're just gonna just go someplace to throw your content in there, it's not gonna work out very well, but if you're thoughtful in, your select, in selecting questions that you wanna answer to, mm -hmm. ones that offer good volume, don't be afraid to go after something that already has multiple answers. If you can provide a good answer to something that has high volume, make your, make your question look nice. Big headings, break up your text, try to provide as much information as possible, as densely as possible. Don't over explain things. That's one of the things this guy in this post that had grown his traffic a whole bunch kept saying is, I don't try to over explain stuff. People don't want to read a whole bunch. They just want, they want like a quick answer. Like, yeah. you know, ideally in QR people when they ask a question, they kind of want like, a, they want things to be black and white, unfortunately. You know, we yeah. know, I know that, you know, in most, most instances, like if you ask a complex question, you get kind of a gray answer. Uh, I think we've learned over time from people on the internet that you know you people want black and white. They want yes or they no. They do. Yeah, that's human nature. They definitely want black and white. But it's a uh, un unfortunately the world isn't black and white. It is gray. But I think doing a good good job, as you said, of finding finding an answer that's got a lot of followers, and then you know trying to add value but not being salesy. I think that's the yeah. the key from what I've seen in, in Quora and I, I've been in there quite a quite a bit as a browser. I'm not, not I, I think I might be have contributed once or twice. So you're, you're a target audience in this case where yeah. you're on there and you're looking and Quora shows up in search results quite a bit as well, but specifically questions that are unique. Um, and so it's a really good network you can use and um, yeah, I would just encourage people to uh, try to find stuff that is uh, has a lot of followers, doesn't have a ton of answers, and to really focus on how you position your content in there. Nice. Um, the last network that I'll kind of mention earlier, it's kind of a social media network uh, that I haven't had a ton of success with, but I've seen other people uh, be, be able to use it effectively, and that's Medium. 
So I don't consider medium a social social network from the standpoint of um, it's really just a box to hold content. Um, mm -hmm. They do provide comments and sharing and a lot of the functionality that Twitter provides, but it's really more of a content kind of space. You'll have to determine if, if it's a good place for you to put your content or not. I haven't found a lot of instances for it for me, but there are people, if you are an expert in your industry, so let's say you're John Cole ad expert and you've, that's your website, you yeah. may choose to write some more, some different content on Medium that will position you as a person, right? A person that's an expert on a certain subject and it may be able to get more traffic back to your initial blog or something like that. I think that's, uh, the ones I've seen is, is exactly like you said, when you, uh, you are the, uh, the zenith of your powers you yes. know, and you have some real insight and the, a, a good example are the, the people who've been entrepreneurs and then made loads of money and become venture capitalists and then the way that they, um, they're sort of repositioning themselves as a, as a VC, they will then comment on industry verticals and you know, investment strategies and stuff like that. Th those are the ones I've, I've seen and read and they do very well in, in medium. But uh, for more lowbrow content, I'm with you, or sort of medium, sort of uh, average content, I would say it's not a good place. You you really need to be thinking, you know, you need to be on the top of your game. I think to do well in, in yeah. medium. Uh, a, a good a good example is uh, somebody that I think might do well in medium, and maybe he's already on there. Is our friend Dave Taylor, who actually writes on our blog sometimes and has his own site. Uh, AskDaveTaylor.com. He's a great example of somebody that's kind of an expert in his field, reviews yeah. a lot of technology products and things like that. Uh, he could potentially write more in-depth content on Medium, and it could you know, position him further as an expert in that industry where he can drive traffic back to his site. Yeah, it's a sort of thinker's platform. That's the way I look at it. It's, it's a funny business, though. I mean, I, I, it's been around for a while now, but I, 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 not, what, what, do you know the volume of visitors that go to Medium or, or any... Or, I don't. I, I don't. I, and yeah. I know that they're, they're a technology that for a while people are like, will they or won't they? Kind of like, and they seem to have kind of gotten over that hump and they seem to have found their niche. And it's kind of like what we're talking about. There's, it's kind of this conglomeration of, um, you know, the people that I see doing really well there are individual brands. And when I say that, I mean like people that have a brand um, as being like a, an expert in a certain subject or something along those lines. Yeah. I, I, I know that in the professional speaker circuit, it's a big thing. Like professional speakers do really well on Medium. So if you if a portion of maybe what you do in conglomeration with your website business is speaking engagements or something like that, Medium might be something to look into. Um, so that kind of transition is a, since, since we hit a, uh, a, a kind of like connecting piece between social media and content curation, it's probably time to get into social media, John. So I'll let you pick between the big five, which one are you most interested in talking about first? Facebook, definitely. Okay. Okay, just because it's, it's massive. It's massive, right? So we don't talk about uh, talk about Facebook a ton on this podcast, but we'll, we'll talk about we're, it a little we're gonna bit We're going to be. We're going to be a lot more. So they, they, are, they are really interesting because outside of Google, they're probably one of the largest platforms in terms of uh, just internet activity that, that's out there on the internet. Yeah, it's really hard to uh, get your head around how big Facebook is and how important it is uh, for you to be doing well in. So, so let's talk about maybe how things have changed over the last few years, things that people that are active on here probably realize, but then maybe what, what the repercussions are and how to work around that a little bit. So back in the day, uh, you created a page for your site, 
product, whatever it is. So I, I have a website. It's called bishopbjj.com, jiu-jitsu website. I have a Facebook page. And I think for a while we had, we've got more than this now, but back in the day I had about 5,000 followers. It's not a big website, John. So for, we use my website, my jiu-jitsu stuff as an example. So it's not a big website. So if you go there and you're like, hey, why, why is this, this guy's site is not very big? It, guys, I know. <laughs> Sorry, that's why he keeps plugging it. <laughs> yeah, come on, go visit it. So, uh, it, it's good. That's some actually really good stuff. If you want to see Tyler in action, yeah. <laughs> go and have a look. So uh, basically, like on this page, uh, when I would share stuff to my page, so I'd post a link to my website, um, which is an external link. I want to preface it with that. So an external link to my site, and I might say, hey, guys, check out this great breakdown of this jujitsu guy. Uh, and I'd post it to my page. And of those 5,000 people that like my page, a significant number of them that were online around the time that I posted it would be would have the impression of that. And if they clicked and liked it, more and more of them would see it, and uh, they would click my link. And so of my five, I might get hundreds of likes and lots of link clicks. And so Facebook was great. Every time I posted a piece of content from from Facebook, I got yeah. two to three hundred visitors. Boom, like science. So you post something every day, two or three hundred visitors, like clockwork. And they call and they call that in in the in the Facebook business edge rank. Yeah. You know, your your virality, your attractiveness to your audience. If you've got a very high edge rank, or you've built that up over time, basically you can get a ton of traffic concurrently. And uh, you know, I, the the sites that are really really good at this that I look at, I go and look at their uh, live online concurrent visitors in Google Analytics, and you can see when they post something, boom, yeah, up it goes. You know, tens of thousands of. Uh, of visitors coming in per minute you know it's really impressive and so this is one of the ways that it's really changed so now that page that maybe had 5,000 uh, folks on it if I post a link to something external which so this is a secret that probably some some of you guys are probably aware of or ha can at least feel if if I share something on the platform so I share an image I share I, I use Facebook video uh, Facebook live uh, even just a normal post where I don't link to something externally, th that stuff is going to get more impressions and better engagement than stuff that is linking externally. So if I post even a YouTube video or a link to my site, that stuff is automatically, by its very nature, not going to get the same amount of organic impressions despite my edge rank as the other stuff. Because what does Facebook want to do, John? They, they want to keep you in Facebook. And that's why we see the advent of Facebook Instant Articles as well. That's right, which is their version of AMP. Well, I guess Facebook Instant Articles came first. So it's encouraging publishers to publish inside Facebook as their primary way of publishing, not on their website, but inside Facebook. So it's this walled garden that people talk about um, of, of keep, keeping the users and the content inside Facebook. Now, the Facebook Instant Articles may be something we could talk about on another podcast because I think sure. that's very much a business decision. Um, so I'm not going to talk a ton about Facebook Instant Articles right now, but I do want to talk about, uh, you mentioned edge rank. So if you have a page right now, you have to realize that when you post those external links, it's very important to get good engagement on it because if you get poor engagement over time off of external links, it's just going to take your edge rank down further and further and ultimately you know, where you used to maybe get hundreds and hundreds of visitors every time you posted something, you're going to get 17, you're going to get 14, you know, it's a very small amount. So one of the things you can do is you can build networks of people. So networks can be people and they can also be pages. So if you manage, let's say, five other pages, John, every time you post something, 
those five other pages can like your new content. They can comment on it. They could share it if it makes sense. Um, you can also kind of build these networks of other people that maybe uh, other sites or other pages that are similar to yours and say, hey, listen, I've got some great content. Looks like you got great content too. Whenever we post something, why don't we coordinate and like each other's stuff, comment on it and share it. And when you build these networks up, what happens is you guys can all kind of like share and push each other up. And ultimately, the benefit is pretty significant from these types of things. It's it's what I've seen uh, people that um, are actually really good at Facebook do over time. So it's a really good way to actually kind of, um, I don't want to say like, uh, I would say circumvent some of the things that Facebook has put in place basically to hide your audience from you for, uh, you know, they, they want you to pay to access those people, right? Yeah, that's right. And it's in their interest to, um, to try and get you to boost uh, your posts and, and pay money to Facebook to do that. Um, and uh, don't forget, everybody that is posting in a, uh, to their audience, you know, to their fans uh, via the pages, um, how, uh, how much that appears to everybody depends on the algorithm that Facebook's decided. Um, to give to give you based on your past performance. So people say, oh, you know, I wish I got into Facebook, you know, five years ago because, yeah, I could have built up my user base a lot more quickly and and so on. So I would say it is harder um, now than it was, um, but if you're willing to embrace um, embrace Facebook, then you you know just get in there and start posting because um, people do spend an enormous amount of time in Facebook. So one of the things I'll, I'll share with you guys, it kind of dovetails into the things that we talked about SEO before. If you have a new, or you, you're, you're maybe trying to move a post from page two to page one, or you have a new post that you want to rank really well organically, sometimes it's worth it to uh, invest in something paid on Facebook to drive traffic to this new page. Activity on your pages has a correlation with SEO. So I've talked to people that are very much in the know about this stuff, they've done studies on it, if you are trying to basically, if you've updated a page or you've posted something new, the amount of activity that that, that site gets from credible sources, which are like social media um, or uh, link backlinks from other sites, um, will directly influence how quickly something like that moves up the rankings or is indexed uh, at a high place inside of Google. Yeah, I think um, I think everybody has been, uh, I'd say, like sus suspecting that the Google algorithm includes social signals, although a few years ago they said they definitely don't. Yeah. Um, I think they do. I mean, I think everybody... Has well, they, let's think about it this way. They may say, well, there's, not, there's no social signal algorithm. However, activity is a signaling factor, and those things are weighted based on their source, right? Yeah. So then it necessarily wouldn't be a social signal so much as it's an overall signal that takes into account the source, right? Yeah. So Google likes to do this a lot when they talk about their search algorithm. Is they they say this is not a factor, but it it it's not it's it's like a kind of like a, it's an end around because it's the truth is is it kind of is, but not in the way that the question is being phrased. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Kind of like what they say with AMP. You know, AMP yeah. is not a ranking signal. However, sites that are AMP tend to rank higher, and this could be for a number of different reasons, including Spe site speed. Site speed could yeah. be a number of different things. So. Is it a ranking signal? No, but is there a correlation between a page being AMP and it ranking higher? 
there most definitely is. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like the you know the chairman of the Federal Reserve giving advice on interest rates. They may go up. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you for sure that they definitely are. But that's the, it's their job. They can't go on the Google alg- algorithm. They can't say this is definitely a ranking factor. You got us. Otherwise, they got us, guys. Be. Yeah. So uh, I I think we all know that Facebook is um, it is important uh, to be in, and how much time you spend on. Um, and improving your Facebook uh, profile is definitely not it's it's, it's not going to be time wasted right yeah it's not time wasted and if you are going to pay to drive people to a certain page you're not going to you're not going to pay for all your posts to be boosted and expect to come out ahead financially it's just not going to happen but you can drive to your best stuff and um, actually Facebook video uh, is really really cheap and so I mean in some cases you can get you know penny pennies per view and um, that can sometimes be a good deal. So if you have vi- visual content that can link people to your page, your content, that can be a, a good investment in a lot of cases. So um, I- we, we, we should do a podcast in the future on um, on, on buying um, and sort of marketing, you know, things like AdWords and, and stuff like that. We yeah, should, we, we should we probably should do a, we'll we, do a little review on that. Yeah, we can do a paid one maybe in yeah. our next podcast. Yeah. Um, so moving to kind of the, you know, Another network that would the kind of synonymous uh, when you talk about Facebook is Twitter, right? So, I would say that one of the biggest errors uh, that people make with Twitter is that they are too conservative in the way that they share information on this. So, Twitter, so Twitter's changed a little bit too, in that it used to always be real time, and this is one of the things I loved about the network. So, Twitter created by a fellow St. Louis. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Created by a fellow St. Louis Louisan, uh, Jack Dorsey. Oh, really? And so I was a very early. I was like number three thousand on Twitter, and so I've been with the platform forever. Wow. And um, and so I really liked a lot of the original concepts. Now it includes an algorithm, much in the way that Facebook does. It is, I would say, much more rudimentary. So you're going to find that it's very much like how Facebook was back in the day, which is the people things, whatever that you follow and engage with the most are the things that are going to show up at the top of your feed and it'll show up, you know, in the first, I don't know, probably third of your original scroll results and it'll say stuff you may have missed and it'll give you all that stuff. And so basically what people miss and then after that it's still the real time stuff. But the, the thing is um, most people will post their content to Twitter once and then maybe again and then, you know, here and there. Mm. What I like to do is I like to take my top 20 most recent posts and I log into something called TweetDeck and about every hour and a half or so, I basically go through that list. So every hour and a half, I post maybe my number one piece of content and then an hour and a half later, my number two. And I basically do that on a loop uh, over and over and over again for the week. Really? So it may see me end up posting you know, uh, 20 times a day um, and I'll get my last 20 posts will go up that day and then tomorrow they're going to do it again and they hit different time zones and different frames and so i may literally have some tweets that get zero engagement but that same tweet might go out on wednesday at one o'clock and for whatever reason it gets five retweets and a whole bunch of favorites or something like that and you can use TweetDeck, which is a free tool from twitter just tweetdeck.twitter.com and um, you can just schedule all this stuff it takes a little bit of time i'm going to be honest but it's one of those things that at the end of the day i want to kind of tired and I just want to do some monotonous like drone work I just load up the tweet deck for the week and um, what you'll find is that you will start getting a lot more followers this way and you will start generating a lot more um, uh, a lot more uh, traffic to your site uh, it one of the things you need to do with this as well is use a lot more hashtags too yeah so you so more repetitive 
tweeting, not being uh, kind of shy and sharing your content. And I guess the overall aim is to build up your follower base over time so that you're getting people who are becoming fans effectively. And then as you put out more, because some of the really big, I mean, it's it's synonymous with the celebrities, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess a little bit like Facebook, some of the biggest Facebook pages are like Lil Wayne and stuff like that, which <laughs> they're, they're, they're huge. I think, uh, you know, 50 million fans. Um, being successful in Twitter is about getting as many followers as you can possibly get and then getting that engagement. So I've put something out and then it's getting retweeted a whole bunch of times. And then if you've got a link in there to your site, then boom, all of a sudden you're getting that. Those Actually, those ranking signals, which you want yeah. for the search engine, but also you're getting the, the real visitors coming to your, coming to your site. And uh, one of the things I'll mention is whenever you do these kind of repetitive posts, changing up your headlines and also changing up your uh, hashtags for each of those is a really effective way to kind of like test out like, and you can, if you change up your hashtags a lot, you can also figure out like, okay, the people that like this content generally are on this hashtag and you can kind of optimize your content a little bit as well. So this is a really good strategy for growing your Twitter base and then also getting more link clicks and stuff like that. And I'll save the paid stuff for Twitter maybe for another podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I want to touch on these other networks real quick, John, because I know we're, we're coming up usually on the, our time limit. This has ended up being a little bit longer than normal podcasts, and I don't want us to turn into a pumpkin after midnight. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's touch on LinkedIn just really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, in LinkedIn, one of the big, the big keys is it's professional content. So it may not be the best network for some of our, some of our folks, um, but if you uh, think some of your content could potentially go into LinkedIn, uh, but you're not really sure, you should go into groups and start searching different things that uh, people or uh, consumers of your content might be interested in. You might be surprised at some of the groups that exist on LinkedIn. As an individual, you can join up to 50. Uh, if there's 50 groups that pertain to your content, I say join them and then share your content on LinkedIn, create a page for your website, share that page, uh, share your content onto that page, and then click the share button at the bottom and then you can click to share into groups and uh, in our web event I kind of go through this a little bit how you go through it but uh, okay um, uh, so when you when you join a group and then you have a piece of content that you're going to share you do it as a um, as a an entity right you're doing it as your page when you're signed in as your as your sort of business entity when you post you have to post to the group or do you have to you just post and it goes to the group so basically what happens is you click the share button you'll get this field and then you can choose your headline and you can choose a short description I usually take my my title tag from my from my content and then my meta description and post that in there and then you can basically go through the alphabet on your keyboard if you have 50 groups and you can kind of kind of pick and choose what groups that you want to share that content into so you may have some content that fits some of the groups but not all don't share the content into all the groups because one of the common things in LinkedIn is you can get blacklisted. So you, if you're a spammer and you're posting content where it doesn't belong, kind of like what we talked about Reddit earlier, you got to be responsible. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go down well with the if professionals. You get, if you I get know. blacklisted on LinkedIn, it's basically a dead network for you. You got to create a whole new profile and start all over because yeah. being blacklisted is is the yeah, worst. Start slow. Um, follow Tyler's advice definitely. On this so uh, then uh, let's move into Pinsent. Pinterest and Instagram a little bit because those are maybe some lesser utilized ones. What I'll share with you about Pinterest is pins are, Pinterest is probably more effective than what you think that it is. You can look into how people are using it today. Uh, we did a really good post on the Zoic blog on Pinterest. I would encourage you to go and look into that maybe a little bit because we really post kind of a step-by-step -step guide of how to leverage paid pins 
is a way to increase organic stuff. So you can spend like literally like $10 in some cases and you can create a post that's fairly viral on Pinterest. There's yeah. kind of some hacks to it. Uh, I won't speak too much about it because you can go to the blog and you can read a little bit more about it. We'll have it in the show notes. Pinterest is still a bit of an enigma to me. Uh, I, I'm not a user of it at all. I'm not either. And, and if I'm honest, I use been. almost every network but Pinterest. But I have seen I have seen sites come into the into the Zerk platform that are you know what you would call a Pinterest site. They're kind of unusual. They're a little bit like uh, you know, hey, we've got a Bing site. You know, <laughs> yeah. a site that gets most of its traffic from Bing. Bing. You're like, how did it do that? And I, I do go and dig into those kind of sites just out of interest. Um, and it, it's still a mystery, uh, P- Pinterest for me. We should talk a little bit more about Bing maybe at some point as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe Bing podcast. Yeah. So then uh, finally is Instagram. And uh, I'll just touch on it really briefly because I don't have a lot of new insight there because it's changing as we speak. But um, they do have business profiles now. They have new features where you can go live. You can. They have stories, which is kind of their answer to Snapchat. They're kind of like... beating Snapchat at their own game now with this stories thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so you can do these things. um, But Instagram works a lot the way that Facebook does is engagement uh, as it relates to your stuff is going to uh, be higher. So the thing that's tough with Pinterest is if you want to post something, you have to do this weird thing where it's like uh, I post an image maybe of something related to my content. And then I say, we just put out this great post about balloon animals. And then you'll see people put link in bio. The only way that you can get a direct link from the platform is to go into your personal profile and post that link. So it's really clunky right now unless you sponsor stuff with paid. So mm. Instagram's a little bit of a hack right now. Um, but there are some effective ways you can use it and maybe grow it. I would say it's great to use synergistically with maybe if your site is branded, kind of like we talked about with Medium earlier, personal brand, or it lends itself to video or images really Yeah, well. that's right, like recipes or whatever. Um, I think we're pretty much out of time now. Tyler. I know we're we are out of time and we, we packed this thing full. So I would encourage people to go and check out our web event that we just talked about this stuff if you want to learn more about how to do it. Um, and if you have other questions about it, you can tweet us at Adizoic or at Tyler Bishop. That's, I, I was able to get my full name because, you know, yeah. there's actually a lot of Tyler Bishops out there. Oh, you got yeah. the full. I, I'm, I'm at John Cole One, but I do not tweet very often. <laughs> Adizoic. That's a lot better. So lot you easier. can hit us with questions there. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. And uh, don't forget to uh, give us a review. On iTunes. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of people listening to this now, so uh, please do please do let your friends know. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys.